This episode of Cognitive Dissonance is brought to you by our patrons. You fucking rock. Be advised that this show is not for children, the faint of heart, or the easily offended. The explicit tag is there for a reason. From Hold Mario. on, Tom. Let me put you on just you. There we go. We want to make it official for the first, first extra. First time. First. It, it, it's going to look like I'm a total bum because I'm wearing the same clothes. You are wearing the same clothes. Monday and Thursday. On Thursday. You, if you came on Monday. What I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to bring a change of clothes for the, for yep, the Thursday You're going to have to do shirts and skins. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to see that. We're trying to drive our listenership, not lose uh, our right. listenership. Okay, go, go. Recording live from Glory Hole Studios in Chicago. And beyond, this is Cognitive Dissonance. Every episode we blast anyone who gets in our way. We bring critical thinking, skepticism, and irreverence to any topic that makes the news, makes it big, or makes us mad. It's skeptical, it's political, and there is no welcome at This is episode 667, and this is our new format show! Yay! Six six seven, neighbor of the beast. Neighbor of the beast. Neighbor, I like yeah, that. Neighbor of the beast. So. Neighbor of the beast. Yeah. So we got we got a brand. So the, the here's the thing. Yeah. When we did the pandemic, when we were doing the pandemic stuff, everything was COVID, right? Every story was COVID. And so you and I just decided we've got to do something else. So we yep. did man bites dog stories yep. for about a year. And funny enough, there was a ton of people who became like really came really into the show yep. for a while. Uh-huh. There's a group of people out there that, you know, like, like they just want to have a funny, they just want to listen to a funny thing. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I had so much fun doing the show then. Doing the show. Oh, same. We had, we just laughed about goofy shit for a half an hour to an hour. Yep. And that was, and it was so much fun. So we're this is a return. It. This is a return. A return. A couple times a month. We're going to try to do this. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So this story, let's launch right in. This story yep. comes from Yahoo News. Man stuck in snow, breaks into school, spends two days cooking, <laughs> shooting hoops, New York cops say. That is fucking baller, dude. I, Literally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but seriously, like, could you, I mean, this guy is stuck in this in the blizzard. Yeah. Walks over. He's like, well, I guess I'll go into the school or whatever. He breaks into the school. And then he's just like, well, I'm hungry. And then he like raids their pantry. Yeah, he's in the cafeteria. Like, goes to the cafeteria. Eating, like canned peaches he or whatever. He himself over to the, one of the whole Mac classrooms. And starts, <laughs> he's like doing a cooking demonstration <laughs> in there. And he's do got do you think own, he put his little hairnet on? He's got his own season liberally going on in there. <laughs> then he's like, I got to work on some of these calories. He's in the gym. Let me go shoot some three-pointers for a while. It's so good. And then I think he left. He left for a little while to go get his car. His car goes missing because like Dude, they probably just yeah, cleaned it up. Towed off the, it. Right. Towed it off the road. And then he's like, well, fuck it. He goes, goes back, back to the school. He goes back to the school, guys. Yeah. Like, uh, hey, return to what you know. Whatever. You yeah, know? Just go back and hang out. Yeah. He was living his best life. Really was. I remember when I was in school, like a young kid, I was in school. I remember being like, when I'm rich, I'm going to buy a school and turn, <laughs> and turn it into my house. And this room will be my bedroom and I'll have a gym. And I, like, he did it. He really did. He did For it. He lived my fucking sixth grade life, If man. you look down in like really rural parts of the country, 
you can sometimes find schools. For sale? Old schools for sale. When Sarah and I were looking for a house, we were moving from Chicago during the pandemic. There was one essentially straight south from Chicago past Kankakee, right? There's so a past Kankakee. Kankakee is pretty far south. Yeah, right? it is. Kankakee is, if you're from the Chicago land area, Kankakee is over an hour from Chicago, straight south on a road called I-57. This, this place was farther south than that. So it's like Mattoon or something oh, like that, right? It's like a, it's like a city that you, you know no one lives in. Right. But it was genuinely a whole school. A whole school <laughs> that you could just be like, and then we also saw. A Did bunch it have of, a playground? We saw a bunch of churches too. Yeah, there's a tennis courts and the whole thing. Yeah, <gasps> I kind of would have bought it. Dude, like, no, there were churches there. You can. There's churches horrible, too. Actually. There's churches too where there's like a whole church, and then it's like you know what churches are like because they don't only they most churches don't only just have the like the pews praying area. Yeah, they also have like a whole like school sometimes attached. Right, yeah. So this one had the praying area. So it had a big, like bit one big room, right. a couple of small rooms where people lived. And then in the basement, they had the whole, like where you would have like oh, the like church the basement. Cub Scout meetings Cub and Scout shit. Cub Scout meeting, yeah. Oh, I would buy the church and have pancake breakfasts all the time. <laughs> I would buy the church. Just invite people over for pancake <laughs> breakfast. That'd be awesome. And just like start opening the door on Sunday and see who shows up. Not have service. Which is kind of like I would one hundred percent turn my sex heaven place into the altar. <laughs> oh, hundred percent. There's no way you, you do it anymore. Gotta do it. Where else do you do it? Are you kidding? Me? I mean, are you do like you do like water play in the baptismal font? Are you kidding me? <laughs> when you come, you water have to say water sports or whatever it is. Pew pew. pew. <laughs> uh, you gotta shoot it in the side of a cross. <laughs> <laughs> there is so much language though that's like Jesus like sexual language that you oh, can yeah. throw into sex. Yeah. I mean, come on. It, Literally. Oh, come on. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, time to get on our knees yeah. and pray. <laughs> <laughs> and so the Lord came into them. Come on now. This guy, though, by the way, I want to I want to finish the story yep. out because you know you can't just leave it as the guys there. He decides he's gonna leave, and then he steals the snowplow and, yeah, goes, I know. and then goes I know. steals from <laughs> other places. Like he went, a, he was a bad he, dude. He went on yeah. a spree afterwards. Yeah. He not only like ate all the canned peaches, like he drove to an electronics store in a stolen yeah, plow. Yeah. He had an absolute fucking banger of a weekend. This guy, yeah, this guy basically like. There was a blizzard, and he thought he was in like an end of the world twilight zone. <laughs> he really he did. He was just like, they're really all did. gone. He's the like, people are all yeah. gone. Because, like, he was later he's found. He's shooting hoops and he breaks his glasses. <laughs> and he's like, no. <laughs> his only ball deflates. His only ball. No. no. He's trying to blow it. He's like, I don't have a fucking one of those needle things. Why do they even make those? It's so stupid. Uh, you ever had a ball deflate when you were a kid and you're just like, oh, I don't have one of those needle things. Need and yeah, no. You have well, to like figure out how to go. You got to borrow it from a friend and then you can't fill it up at the service station because you need an actual pump, you need pump. The thing. That was me like every uh, like every summer because like the ball would be in the garage. Yeah, and then it just deflates. And then it just gets all deflated yeah. and shitty over yeah. the winter. And then you're like, oh, cool. Like it's good weather. Like grab the ball. And you're like, <laughs> and you like, hey, throw it on the garage. Like, Boom. And it makes the saddest <laughs> a fucking a fucking half deflated basketball it's when you throw worst. it makes the saddest the sound. There, like the death rattle of your only child is not as sad as the fucking sound of a deflated basketball hitting Chica the ground. Chicago had for years there was a, a college team called the Blue Demons, and they had a very specific ball. 
Do you remember it was blue? Yeah, it was like it was blue, red and black, blue. right? Red oh, and blue. Red and, red okay. and blue. And then it had a demon on it. That was my prized possession when I was a kid. Oh. I had a basketball that was red and blue. And I remember for, I want to say it was like, it was like two summers in a row in high school. All I would do in the morning in high school, like when I was like, yeah. you know, I would just get up in the morning and I would go to the playground and I would shoot hoops all day long. Holy shit. And then go home and then do it again. And then, you know, eventually you meet people and you start playing games. And so now you're playing, you know, 21, right. uh, half court 21 for, you know, seven hours a day. Oh. And then you just go home. And then you normally I would go back and play for another two or three hours afterwards and just like play for oh, hours man, I at never a time. Got into basketball hours and hours and hours at a time. Basketball was like the game. Everybody knew somebody that had a hoop. Yeah. Like everybody yeah, had yeah. like a friend that had like yeah, a hoop yeah. on their garage sure, or whatever. Sure. And like my buddy Dave had a hoop on his garage and he always wanted to play basketball. And I would always go out and play, but I never, I was always bad. And he was like a half a head taller than I am. <laughs> like I'm He's like, eight. get that shit out he of here. He was like six, two. <laughs> like I got nothing. Yeah. I got like, when you're short and not particularly coordinated and the other guy's tall and particular, yeah. <laughs> you're just, you're just like, yeah, let's go play basketball. Best, Why don't I just punch myself the in the chest? That's my friend who made his own basketball backboard out of plywood. Oh. And then we bought one of those things. And then he lowered it enough so we could dunk. dunk? And so we just would have the best time. Because it was like, <laughs> it's like a nine foot rim. So you just run as fast as you can and jump. And like, ah, and you dunk. It was the best. That was A nine that foot was rim for me may as well be on the moon. It was the best. A nine foot rim. I know that's normally like 10 feet, yeah. right? Yeah. No, nine foot is... <laughs> The same as 10. It's the same as 38 feet. It was, it, it my was, vertical leap is like maybe a thimble and a half. It being much lower is pretty nice, actually. It's pretty great. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Yeah, I still couldn't hit it. Yeah. Six foot five. Maybe I'd <laughs> Maybe. This is so fucked. This is fucked. This is so fucked. This, this is, is so fucked, fucked. dude. CBS Holy News. Shit. UK medical practice mistakenly texts patients that they have aggressive lung cancer instead of Merry Christmas. <laughs> I, can't, I can't even imagine how that happens. Like what it's just not like you slipped and you That made you just panic where when your you asshole closes, where, you're, where you're just like your, your whole body. You're just like, uh Oh, years ago. So I just started working in this position and, uh, and I had just learned how to edit websites. Like okay. I had just learned and I got a message from someone that says, Hey, can you take the, the, one of the sort of, there was, this is back when they used to have stuff that like used to roll scrolling across the okay. screens, you yeah. know, like this is old, old, old website stuff. And the guy's like, hey, can you take the, you know, change the sort of rolling text at the top to something else? We're changing this around this thing. And I was like, sure, no problem. And I go on there and I wound up deleting the home page. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so uh, my boss comes in my office. Did and, you quit? And he's like, no, no. Like, so uh, I would have just quit. I'd no, just no. So like it was, I had it. On a on a backup off the computer. Oh, okay, all right. And so I just went over and got the thing, and then I had to just fix everything that was fixed since then. So I didn't right. have a recent backup; I had an older backup. But when I when I deleted it, 
it just so happened that my boss was going to the website at the exact <laughs> same time. So he comes to my office. He's like, are you messing with the website right now? It's like, it'll be up in 15 minutes. But the whole time my asshole was just, it oh, was it's like, it was, I was just like, yeah! like the whole time you're just frozen in fear. I, I was working at a, at a title company and I lost a deed. So now it's not as big a deal now, but back when this was like, the, you can't do anything with a copy. I had copies, but you had to have a, 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 an ink original deed. And I fucking lost it for about six hours. I lost it. I eventually found it. And just, I just got put in a wrong file. But for about six hours, I could not stop sweating. <laughs> I was in that like straight panic. Did where you you're just like, look for six straight hours? I looked everywhere. Look I pulled, for, I pulled apart six, every single hours? I six pulled, hours. Yeah. Pulled apart every file I touched for a week. And I finally found it. It had just gotten misfiled in a different file. So like there was nothing I could do. I just, but as soon as I realized it was gone, it's like, it did was, just, I was like, I'm going to get fired. Just, did you just shit immediately once you found it? You're just yeah, like, I think all I your, did. all just, your just, bodily just functions release. just relax. And you're just like, poof. I was like, my first thought was like, I should just quit and leave now. I should just leave. You, just, I you, just light, leave. That, you light it on fire like Homer Simpson yeah, like, when he's leaving uh, work. Like, you know when you're like a kid and like one of your friends gets hurt and everybody just runs away? <laughs> you remember that? You remember when you were a kid, everybody just I don't runs? Know. I don't know if I remember that. No. We're, we're like little kids. It's the funniest thing I to watch. Think, I think this might be something very specific. No, I've seen other people do it. I think it, it might be very specific to you, Tom. <laughs> we just, like, they realize they're in trouble. I'm they just terrified run. of getting hurt around you. <laughs> I just run away. Tom's over <laughs> the house. I fall down the stairs and Tom just runs out. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do it. I didn't do it. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, so, so you're telling me so about a phenomenon. This, like, I just, like, uh, you have this phenomenon yeah, yeah, that you... Yeah. You imagine that happens to, me. to only other applies people. applies to me, I guess. Only, it applies to, all, to everyone said, else in the world that the, Tom is ubiquitously the, saying okay. every other human the in the universal being experience away. that yes. you all remember. Go ahead. You yeah. don't. No. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I felt that way, like where you yeah, just feel like you should just like, like should run. run away from the problem. <laughs> Tom, just, Tom just winds up in Cancun. <laughs> <laughs> his, his family is looking for him and he's like, no. I like have a shirt with a smiley face and I'm just running. Just, I like to run. <laughs> You're down building fucking, uh, building boats with that fucking guy from Shawshank Redemption. You're just like, tell me more about the uh, shrimp we can I'm catch. Gonna, I'm going to crawl through this puddle. Of, I'm going to crawl through this pipe and come out the other side. Amazing. All right. So anyway, so back to the story where they sent, you have aggressive yeah, lung terrible. cancer. Let me read from this article. Merry Christmas. We're making fun of it, but could you imagine getting this fucking message? No. How, oh my how God. fucking pants-shittingly awful this would be to be this, like, I got the it, worst fucking news today. I went in for a rectal exam. <laughs> I didn't even know they could find that from here. They somehow looked and saw my lung was aggressively <laughs> cancerous. All right, I got to read this because it's actually a little bit off more. A medical practice in England intended to text its patients wishes for a very Merry Christmas. Instead, the mass text told patients they had aggressive lung cancer that had spread and asked them to fill out a form for terminal patients. God damn, could you imagine how fucking terrifying that would be? Also, what fucking paperwork are you giving to terminal yeah, patients? What is it? Is it, is it a is it a will? Do I have to will over my money to you? I don't know what's what happening. The, 
Like, of all the times in my life, I'm not going to get around to the paperwork. I know, right? Hey, yeah. uh, you're going to die. Can you fill out a form? Absolutely. That's not how I'm spending my time. Absolutely not. Actually, no. 100% uh, no. I'm a fuck you. You know what you could do? You could just piece it together like a fucking ransom note from other things I've signed. <laughs> I'm never touching another pen as well, long what, as I live. What if, what if I don't sign it? Do yeah. I not get to I die? Know, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> fuck you. All you need to know how to, how to beat death is this one simple yeah. trick, right? Yeah. <laughs> The mass text from Askern uh, Medical Practice in Doncaster sent out December 23rd. <laughs> in it, the practice says the doctor has asked the recipients to fill out a form DS-1500, which according to another hospital system, is meant for people who have a terminal illness to apply for their benefits. The text also tells recipients they have been diagnosed with aggressive lung cancer with metastases. How does that get a mistaken for Merry Christmas? It's not a Merry Christmas. In a second text... Patients were asked to accept the center's sincere apologies. <laughs> this has been sent in error, it states. Our message to you should have read, we wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. That is the greatest punked moment. It is so, God, I would drive down there and punch somebody oh, in the face. my God. Could you, I could not imagine how furious I would be if somebody did that. You know somebody got screened for lung cancer, Yeah. right? And then they're going to go like, somebody went and told their wife, oh my God, honey. I have lung cancer. It's the end times now for me. And then it's like, no, wait, actually. <laughs> and they're like, Merry Christmas. What the fuck? And they're like, what? <laughs> oh, I guess I'm fine. Sorry. Hold on Holy a second. Holy shit. Yeah, man. And you know what the worst part is, is that somebody got that message. Then they got the Merry Christmas. And then they got the message again that says, no, you weren't. <laughs> oh, oh, Joe? <laughs> no, sorry. This one's for you sorry, specifically. Joe, Joe I, we, uh, you're not included in this text. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it makes me wonder, like, did somebody who was supposed to get the... Also, real quick, this just occurred to me. I'm going to interrupt myself. If you're given the news that somebody has aggressive lung cancer, maybe that's not a text message. Feels like a face-to-face -face conversation. You know? Yeah, it feels like, like... I feel like that's one of those things where you've been dating long enough where you break up in person. Yeah. You know? <laughs> You're gonna fucking die, and I get a text message. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't fucking leave me on red if I have metastases. Okay? Dude, does it have like a fucking shruggy emoji after like? What the fuck? Like the shruggy and the skull is just like. There's just a lung and a fire next to it. What the fuck sends out a text message? You gonna die? Love your doctor. Oh man, I can't wait. Fuck? I cannot wait until we we get serious texts from serious people that are all emojis. I can't <laughs> wait. I can't wait. Cause then I'm crawling into one of those suicide pods, the oh, Swiss half. Yeah. They've got just, it right. And I'm just fucking piecing out of the world. Do you think that there was somebody out there who didn't get the aggressive lung cancer text message, but they got a Merry Christmas text message and they had it in reverse? We're like, oh, that's nice. I got a Christmas text. <laughs> and then it's like. And then again, we are very sorry. We meant oh, to no. send you. You have, you have a, anal cancer have or whatever. Cancer. Fuck. <laughs> Do I still get the Merry Christmas? <laughs> yeah, this one. <laughs> Tom, you got to read some of this article. I'm going to put it up on the big screen. This is a fucking delight. I'm going to put it up on the big screen so people can see what we're talking about. <laughs> this story comes from the CBC. Pigeon, <laughs> pigeon wearing crystal meth like a backpack <laughs> caught inside British Columbia prison yard. This is uh, kind of a curveball, <laughs> says Corrections <laughs> Officers Union. That's so amazing. <laughs> Nearly a century ago, a pigeon breeder approached federal customs officers with a bit of an odd problem. 
A pigeon he'd recently sold to a buyer in Mexico had flown back to his home in Texas with two aluminum capsules full of cocaine tied to its legs. After a brief investigation, officials announced their conclusion. Carrier pigeons smuggle drugs, but an all-caps newspaper headline on February the 2nd, 1930. Wasn't coke legal in 1930? Do you remember it was legal? It was legal. I know like when Freud was bopping about. That's in the 1800s though. Yeah. So I, I don't know when they made Maybe it. Maybe around the turn of the century, they decided no more cocaine for people or something. Although well, but wait, is it illegal for pigeons? <laughs> I just said no more cocaine for people, but yeah, what about avian the cocaine? Cocaine just keeps pouring it on his little paw or whatever, <laughs> his little talon. He's, he's doing bumps off his talons. <laughs> it's like, it's hard for him to snort it with that beak. You know, he's got to like turn his head kind of upside down to like get his little nostrils there on top. And <laughs> <laughs> he's just, he's just flying his around. His eyes cl- are like, <laughs> get out there, he's man. He's flying around, just clenching his beak real hard all the time. Just <laughs> He breaks a beak. <laughs> has to go to the doctor. He's flying around. Hey guys, I got some fucking really cool new ideas. I want to talk to you guys about. All right, drug smuggling pigeons have persisted over the decades since, busted from North America to Europe and Asia. The birds are caught with pills or powder stuffed into mini backpacks, tiny that's baggies. A, that's adorable. This is the cutest is drug the cutest sm- way to send drugs. I mean, let's be honest, man. A tiny little it's animal so backpack. Get the fuck out of here. It's so. Here's the thing. I really think the DEA should consider a rule that if the smuggling is cute enough, it's legal again. You know? It's small. S-M-O-L. It's a small <laughs> little pigeon. Like, if it's uh, fucking totes and dorms, uh, you just got to let that one go. It's amazing. You've you got to. Every single baby goat just walks right past customs. <laughs> hey, doesn't like, matter. Let him through. Let him through. It's fine. It's fine. I know you're going to slice him in half later to, <laughs> to get it. I don't even care. It's a cute Look at him. Last week, for the first time in recent memory, one was captured in B.C. This is kind of a curveball, said John Randall, a Pacific Regional President of the Union for Canadian Correctional Officers. Then I love this because the mental picture of this is everything. It's so good. It's so good. It's everything. Officers had to corner it. (laughs) Randall said it was a routine. It's a bird. Can it just fly away? Like, what are you talking about? You've got to picture this bird with a backpack. (laughs) And then all these Keystone Cop motherfuckers Chasing it yeah, around right while that around. silly music plays, yeah, trying to find, and, and 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 the best part is, is it hasn't flown. Right, it's just running. <laughs> so you got to imagine. So it's not like flying from place to place to get away right. from. It's literally just running and dodging around these guys. It's that's the, that's I'm like, the only way to envision this. You can't envision it another way. Officers were standing in one of the fenced inmate unit yards, which prisoners use regularly for hanging out, playing games, or getting some fresh air. Then the officers noted something strange. A gray bird with a small package on its back. <laughs> From my understanding, it was tied to it in a similar fashion as like a little backpack. <laughs> it was the, fucking adorable. The officers moved in. Well, if it was like a if it was like a regular school kid's backpack, it would be bulletproof, right? Is that <laughs> oh no? Is that what oh. we're doing now? Okay. Oh. Can't, the bird shot just bounces right <laughs> off. <laughs> Tom as a kid who's trying to shoot it like an asshole with a BB gun. It's like whatever. Yeah, you're not wrong. Whatever. Um, I love this. They had to corner it, Randall said. You can imagine how that would look, trying to catch a pigeon. After a lengthy period of time, the officers apprehended <laughs> the bird. Quotes. A lengthy period of time is in quotes. You've got to think too, Cecil. Like, here's all these like inmates at the prison. Yeah. And then they're watching you run around, crouched over, doing the fucking it's shuffle walk. Hunt. It's a snipe hunt. Yeah, it, yeah. You lose all respect oh, for your so CO. Good. 
You know what I mean? That's like so your CEO's good. like, oh no, I hey the John the Bull over there is gonna crack some heads. You see him like chasing this pigeon, like, eh, fuck that guy. He's running around. <laughs> his his pants are kind of hanging off his ass a little as he's trying to get it. Randall said the package contained about 30 grams of crystal meth, which he described is as a, a lot of fairly meth? substantial. Grams, depends on what the substance is. 30 grams can be pretty substantial. Yeah, I have no idea. Like, I don't know how much is a, is so a I will tell method. you. I will tell you like a teaspoon of yeast is like five grams. Okay. All right. That's yeast though. I don't know how, I don't know dense, how much I don't know how dense that is in comparison right. to crystal meth, but three teaspoons worth of drugs feels like a lot. Well, like I wonder how much is in a dose. Like yeah, how much do you take yeah, of crystal know. meth? It looks small. When I see them do it on TV, it looks small. Yeah, when I, when I watch fucking intervention, they don't have like giant yeah, then it's not like chunks. Sm- they don't, right? They're not smoking a Himal- Himalayan salt rock. <laughs> you know they got mean? a like fucking a like salt, salt lamp. lamp full. They got a whole salt lamp full of fucking crystal meth. Oh, it's, it's on now. It's not one of those. Here we go. And it- <laughs> I'll sleep again in September, motherfuckers. <laughs> I'm ready to go. I'm going to uh, drive a truck. <laughs> this- <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's it's normally a small amount. So like like yeah, like a teaspoon of yeast, a teaspoon of salt is probably maybe it's probably weighs more. I would say maybe that's ten or twelve grams. Okay, so like three or four teaspoons of salt of salt, yeah, probably a similar density yeah, of salt. Man. I would imagine yeah, crystals probably or crystals. something like that. Yeah. Oh shit! All right. So I mean, a goodly sum. It's not small amount. So also like this, drones are typically the problem. Drones. So they just fly drones in huh. and just drop fucking well okay. drugs. So over. keep going because there's a better part of this. Okay. One expert said there are two plausible ways to use a pigeon to deliver drugs. What are those two ways, Tom? One, someone could throw the freighted pigeon over the fence and into the prison. I just see a pigeon with like a little, like a, like a kilo of cocaine on it, and they throw it over, and it's just laying on its back like a turtle, and its little legs are stuck in here. Dude, you're going to throw it. What do you need the pigeon for? What is the pigeon add? To this equation, it just sticks its arm out so it has a slower landing. <laughs> what the fuck is the pigeon for? I imagine. Hey. I imagine Tom, it could be any. It could be any weighted thing. So a pigeon works, but so would a weighted thing. I love. I love the idea that they're just throwing random animals oh, tied so to. Good. Hey, throw an iguana full oh, of uh, methamphetamine it's over like, the wall. <laughs> What is anything that you could like? Does it have to be an animal? They throw, they throw like a fawn with a key of coke <laughs> on it. It's like you're just finding like what? random animals. Here's a macaw <laughs> with some fucking blue cocaine on it. Uh, what the, why would you throw a so good. I love the idea. I love the idea of somebody just taking their hand and there's a fucking live <laughs> pigeon in their hand and then they throw it with a thing on its back. Are you serious? What I is think happening? I solved this problem. Oh yeah, all right, God. genius. Yeah, you got my it. My other part too, it's like, it's like the, at the bottom here, it says like Shawshank Redemption, we, where we had a, they had a crow from a baby. You could do that with a pigeon. So basically they're saying you could teach the pigeon right. to come back. Says the director of the Vancouver Poultry and Fancy Pigeon Association. Yeah. This, now this here is a fancy pigeon. All the ones in Chicago that are just like the fucking flying rats. Those yeah, are the, the trash. Un, those are the trash. Those are like the they have like a like a Dixie flag tramp stamp or whatever. They are not fancy. They are not fancy. They are not they fancy, are not, fancy pigeons. You know what? They eat with their fucking elbows on the table. All right. They eat. That's I don't know why a, that's bad, that's but a, they do it. That's not a fancy pigeon. I also want to. I also want to read this part. Because I love it. It's the other method that is so there's two methods that inmate can use yeah, to use a pigeon. You mentioned one already. Yeah. One, you can hurl yeah. the superfluous sure. pigeon over like the wall. Like a discus. You just right. do three spins and then you and throw it. Get it over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, sure. The other one is 
an inmate could spend months training the bird from the inside to recognize the prison at its home. Then I love this sentence. Someone would get the bird to the outside, fasten its cargo, and release it to the return home to the prison. How the fuck do you prison smuggle a pigeon out of your ass? Do you? I can understand having the pigeon in the prison, but now somebody has to smuggle the pigeon <laughs> out of the prison. You're going to stick that in your fucking prison pocket? That is one hell of a conjugal visit. That thing is going to peck your prison pocket. <laughs> that is a conjugal visit to end all Holy conjugal shit. visits. This is a good ha <laughs> ha. Yeah, this is a fuck around and find out one. Uh, this story comes from Yahoo. Arsonists set themselves on fire while trying to burn down California immigration. <laughs> There's an image of them too here of the uh, the arsonist with his, you know, of course they have their masks on. Yeah, right. right. Got yep. your mask on. Got your mask. And they threw uh, gasoline on this uh, immigration center and then they lit themselves on fire and had to run away. Now they haven't caught him yet. But they said they look like they had extensive injuries just from the image. So these Yo. people probably fucked themselves up pretty good, but then they couldn't check themselves into a hospital to properly. Yeah, because they're going to give themselves away. You give yourself away. It's like when, you know, somebody gets shot or somebody ODs, right. they immediately have to call the police or whatever. So it's, is you know, this is one of those things I've watched. I don't know how many videos I've watched where people underestimate or don't understand how gasoline vapor works. If you've seen, oh, yeah. I've seen yeah. these. You see these videos where people like they take these huge fucking gas cans and they're just fucking pouring gas and spraying gas in the air, you know, and they're and then they light it on fire and right next to it. And they're right next right to it. Right next to it. And they've created this huge fucking vapor cloud of explosive flammable yeah. Yeah, gas. Yeah. And then they're like, whoa, whoa. Some of that stuff it's is like, amazing. What the fuck is to wrong see with some you? of that stuff just explode and while, how oh, much how much they do. Wound, and this, man. and the thing is, is like again, these are people you just, I mean, like. Like, you should just be paying attention to what you do, and you wouldn't get lit on fire. These are bad arsonists. These You're are bad, bad for bad an arsonist. I would, I would go so far as to say I will take immigrant arsonists over these ones. Yeah, I right. Feel yeah. Like, I feel this like is, they'd be better off. We'd be better off as a, as a country <laughs> if we would allow better arsonists. You, you in don't the want the, the immigrant arsonists taking our arson jobs, Cecil. <laughs> you know? Then what would good old well, American good old arsonists American do? Arsonists do? We don't want it. We don't want immigrants coming in here and, you know, doing their crimes like arson, <laughs> for example, as one of them. Here's an interesting one. Yeah, this is from KFI, uh, which is, I don't know. Uh, it's an AM radio station. Wow. National Guard. Do you think, do you think we can be on AM if we, if we tried hard enough? We couldn't be on FM if we tried hard enough. I know that. Can we make it to AM radio? I don't know if we could ever if we, if swing, radio. If we swing hard right. Oh, yeah. You got to swing hard yeah, right, right, and we can right, do it. You're right. National Guard general fired for ordering troops to take his mom shopping. I can't believe that that is not an acceptable use of his military <laughs> authority. I hope that they had to take her in a tank. Oh, or like, you know, like they fly her like in a Huey. Oh, one of those big double fucking And they just choppers. like have to fucking land on top of the fucking oh. wall. Like, <laughs> like that, like that movie with the zombies or whatever. They land on top yes. of the wall. And the, yes. Yeah. That's what I hope happened. That's it. I, yeah. If you're going to abuse your power, do it abuse right. all of it. Do it right. Don't hold back. Yeah. Don't hold back. A general, a general with the California National Guard has been relieved of duty after he reportedly ordered troops to take his mom shopping. Brigadier General Jeffrey Magrum. He's, he's like, you don't get to general. Yeah. Just like over, this is like a career military guy. Right. This is a guy who spent, you've got to spend decades of your life. You're right. In the military, right. devoted uh, yes. to it, dedicated to it. 
And at one point he was like, someone's got to take mom out. I can't believe somebody would do Someone's, dude, take your own mom out. Well, no, his, his response too is, had I ever heard of any ethics issue like this from subordinates, peers or commanders or, or perceptions of such, I would have corrected and addressed it on the spot, he said in a statement to the inspector general. Yeah. So he's like, I would have changed my mind, but I just figured they wanted to like drive my mom to her eye appointment. Yeah, right. Well, here's here's what they had him do. Brigadier General has also been accused of forcing subordinates to perform other tasks, such as making an on-duty National Guard member drive him 120 miles to a dentist appointment. Why is your dentist 120 you, miles from you? Where is your dentist, Doug? What is happening? Do you not have a dentist anywhere near you? Jeez, what is that? And coercing an underling to take his place in a mandatory training session. That, see, now, I, I'll be perfectly frank. That's one I, I can get forgive. that one. I can forgive that one. I understand. Have you ever been on a work call where you're just like, God, why am I on this call? Uh, I cannot believe that I have to sit through this. Oh, uh, you, you do those like corporate compliance training type oh. stuff. And you're just like, uh, uh, stay awake. <laughs> Stay away. Every year, my work sends out a compliance training to everybody, and you have to complete it. And it takes about an hour and ten minutes every year to do. And it's a it's a it's a thing you have to read, and then you have to take a quiz. Yeah, and you have to do it every year, and it's the worst. It's, it's <laughs> seriously, it's like it's like Jane's brother works for a window company. Can we hire Jane's brother? Uh, to come in and redo all our windows. You know, Jane was your right, coworker right. or whatever. And you're just like, no, you can't. That's fucking conflict of interest. You're not allowed to do that. No. But it's like so it's easy. It's like, can I skip to the test? It's so easy. It's just like everything is so is easy. Is it the it's same like, one every year? Yeah, it's the same Same one every year. I know. Every year. And it's like, like Bill grabs Jane's ass at the break room cooler. Is this okay? And you're like, no, it's not okay. <laughs> what, who, who says no? Who says Yes. <laughs> You should, that should be a, a test for you to just be fired. Yeah, like, it should log like you out as of the system. Soon as, as soon as you select the wrong answer for some of these, you should just be like, no, man, you're actually fired. We don't need it, you. As soon as you select the wrong answer, it should, the computer should snapshot on its own and push you into the suicide exactly. pod. <laughs> That's what it should do. It should yeah. be like, no, you're canceled. Your Although, life is canceled. If one of those was at work, and it was, and there, and I started getting into work conversations. There's a chance I might just do it at work. Yeah. Just, <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I think it's a dangerous thing to leave. You can't. At work. You can't have those laying around. It's a dangerous you thing cannot, to leave at work. You cannot have them. I have never really had any modicum of power in my life, and I'm kind of glad because I might be this guy. Where I would just be like, <laughs> "Yeah, man, I don't really want to go." And Can you just? I'm like the guy in charge, so just go do it. Like I feel, I feel like I. I'm glad that no one's ever trusted me this much. Yeah, I 100% would abuse my authority. <laughs> I, have, I would I got too. 100%. I would too. Like, I think about it, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah man. There's like, a, I just sure. thought about it for a second. I was like, yeah, it's like there's no, a 0% chance I would abuse no my authority. There's no way I'm not driving everywhere in a tank. Like, there's no way I'm not every, like, even if I just have to go to my car to go home. My car would be a door, tank. I would get in my tank, drive it to my car, and then get out of the tank, and then make someone drive the tank back so I could get it one in the morning a when I come thousand back. thousand percent. I, I would be the worst. I would fire someone out of a can. I would be the worst. There's a <laughs> Are you kidding me? This is a job you not want me to have. No, I, I, it, I am I'm trying to imagine myself as a brigadier general. And the world does not. I did that. not have the 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 mental capacity to be a soldier. I knew that I did not have that. Actually, I was warned against it by my dad. 
Were you really? Yeah, so I was going to go into the military. A bunch of my friends from high school, two or three of them, joined the military right out of school. And when you're a poor kid, it really it's is appealing. A, yeah. appealing because you you see a chance to maybe go to college. Right. And I had no idea how to go to college other than that. Right. And so I told my dad, I'm thinking about going. And he said, do not do it. He's like, do not go to the military. He's like, you don't have the mindset for it. He's like, you really have to have a, a very a, obedient mindset. Yeah, he's like, not, And he's like, not. you would not thrive mm -hmm. there. And it was the best advice my dad ever gave me. I think yeah. it was might've been the only time he was sober too. So it was like <laughs> the best advice he ever gave me was that. I took the, uh, it's called the ASVAB, the Armed Services Vocational Aptitude Battery. I still remember it. And the only reason I took it in high school is because if you agree to take it, you got to go to the auditorium and skip like two or three of your classes. <laughs> See, you so you're like, fuck it, I was yeah. like, I'll take a fucking test. I don't care. Yeah. I'll hang out with my buddy yeah. who also signed up as a joke, right? Because neither one of us were going to join the military. Yeah. We signed up as a joke. And so we're going to go. We're going to sit in the auditorium. We thought we'd fucking goof around and take this fucking goof off test. And we'd be able to skip class for the day, right? So we go to the auditorium and it's proctored by all these military guys. And they want you to be quiet and sit like three people apart. And I'm like, well, fuck, this isn't fun anymore. Like, so now I'm just taking the test because I'm, I'm going to take a test. But I like tests. I was a good test taker. So I take this vocational aptitude battery and I turn it in and I go on with my life. And I don't think anything of it because I was never going to join the was military never a chance you were for a second. Do it. Yeah. But what that did is it created a endless cavalcade of phone calls from military recruiters calling the house. And promising, oh, you know, you did good on this test. You know, you can you can join up. You could be anything you want. You can choose this job or that job. We'd, you know, just promise you the fucking moon. It's the Army and the Navy and the Marines and the Air Force. Yeah. They're all calling. And they all want to like, oh, well, you know, we'll suck your dick every day you're in college. And, you know, you could be a doctor, medic, general, president. Or, you know, like they really promised the whole thing. And I started to get like, maybe I should join. Because I mean, I'm 17, you know, I'm like well, maybe I should join the military. And my dad was just like, no. <laughs> he didn't entertain that shit for he didn't, a second. He didn't even talk to you about it. He, he was, was just like, like no. he's just, he was just straight no. up. He's like, you're not joining the military. Hang up the phone. And I was like, wait, what did he say? And he's like, hang up the phone. You're not joining the military. That's amazing. And I was like, I gotta go. Because <laughs> like, I don't yeah. care how many stars are on your fucking shoulder. You ain't my dad. I <laughs> like, I'll so hang up on you like that. I talked to so many of those people, yeah. too. Those recruiters called me. At They're aggressive. Mind. One of them called me from the Air Force, and I remember trying to get off the phone with him. And I was just like, I don't, yeah, I don't know. And he's like, you should you should join. And I was like, yeah, if I wouldn't join the Air Force unless I could be a pilot. He's like, well, then you want to go to this. Dude. And he's telling me all the stuff you have to do to be a pilot. And I'm just like, I just said it just so you'd be quiet. <laughs> Uh, I'm too fat to get in one of those jets, man. <laughs> Are you kidding me? They'd look at me. They'd be like, dude, no. I can get in one. I'm just never getting get out of here. Right? <laughs> they put me like, have you seen? They're all cramped up and be like, I can't breathe. Uh, my fat's pressing on my lungs. That's so amazing. <laughs> this story comes in the New York Times. We're just reading chunks. They traveled from South Korea. They got stranded near Buffalo. A South Korean tour group's van became stuck in the snow outside a home in Williamsville, New York. They spent the weekend with the residents who luckily had a well-stocked kitchen. And there's a great picture. That is a great There picture. is a great picture of a beautiful home and like some guy who's taking the picture, just smiling this great big smile. And there's got to be a dozen. Just there's got to be a dozen of these Korean tourists who are just like, Having a genuinely nice time. Yeah, man. This I, is just great. I I, I read the story. And so, the, the you know, the, the, the broad strokes to this story are that there's this 
bus tour that's going through Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Buffalo just got hit with a massive, deadly they like, storm. Deadly storm. They got like 70 yeah. inches of snow and it's or something It was crazy. a deadly storm. Yeah. Like oh, people yeah. died. Yeah. And so they're outside and they come knocking on this door and they say, hey, uh, I just need to borrow a shovel. We got to try to get our bus out. Well, they couldn't get the bus out. And he was just like, well, then come in. Right. And so they all came in. And so this guy is just like, they're from Korea. You know, some of them, you know, are, are here speaking. Right. They can speak English. So they can communicate. Just so happens that this couple really enjoys Korean food. So they have a ton of Korean condiments yeah, and food stuffs well, to create what, Korean How lucky food. is this? And then they just like hang out with this, co- this, this group of people. And then they just open their doors with hospitality yeah. to someone who is stuck in a... Uh, in a storm, and they keep them there for two days. Yeah, how insanely generous! I think that's amazing. It's, so, it's a beautiful. It's actually kind of a beautiful. I story. love it so much. I, I love the serendipity great. of it. Yeah, you know, I love just like the unlikelihood of them knocking on exactly yeah, the right guy's the right door. guy's door. Yeah, you know, because there was other stories. My wife was telling me about another story. I didn't find it. I don't know anything about it. But she said there was another story of like a guy knocking on doors and everyone turning him away. And there was a bunch of people in cars that were just like stuck and stranded and no one would let him in. And they had to break into a, 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 a school to survive for the night. Jesus Christ. But people wouldn't let him in their house. And so that's what she said. I don't know where this, I, it's, just, it's clearly in Buffalo, but I don't, I didn't see the story. I'm like going off secondhand information. Right. So I don't know right. all the details, but she said that they basically had to, and she thought that's what I was talking about. I'm like, no, no, this is like a feel good This is a nice story. This is a sweet story. You know, there really is nothing in our life that really allows for this kind of thing anymore, right? An un, a, a guest to your house that's, unannounced is a very rare thing today. When we were growing up, it was a lot more common to have someone just stop by your house. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, it would be weird if I showed up to your house. It's very strange, right? Right. Most people nowadays, this isn't a thing that just happens, right? right? And then spontaneous hospitality just doesn't happen Mm -hmm. as often as it might have used to a long time ago. So I go to this thing every year. Um, and it used to, not every year, but on occasion I go and I might go this year or whatever, but there's this thing called Penzik War. Mm-hmm. And what Penzik is, if you don't know, I belong to this thing called the Society for Creative Anachronism. And it's a, it's a medieval recreation society group that does, you know, uh, simulated combat of a couple of different styles and flavors. And then it also does, uh, they do medieval recreation where they try to create as much as you can of the Middle Ages while still maintaining us, you know, the basics of everyday life. So, you know, there's plenty of people who will have like, you know, that they, they will drive around in a, a, say like a a mobility scooter or something. Like there might be somebody on a mobility scooter. No one would be like, you can't have that here because that's not, you know, that's not, that's not period, period or whatever. Right, yeah. You can't have that. So there's a, there's a creativeness to what people can do because we still want to maintain like living, right? Sure, we're not like, right. and you want to be exclusionary. Like, yeah. You're not like those English civil war guys who like their buttons have to be perfect or whatever. Right, right. It's, it's a very lax sort of organization, but it's a really fun organization. And I belong for, to it for 25 to 30 years. I forget exactly how long I've been in, but I've been in for a very long time. And they do this thing every year at, at it's called Penzik War. And it's a huge event that is a full week-long camping event that happens in Pennsylvania, just on the right by Youngstown, just a little south and uh and east of Youngstown. And it is 
uh, Youngstown, Ohio. And so it's this really nice campground and you go there and there's 10 to 12,000 people there and everybody camps. And so you, you get a, you, you set up your camp with all your friends and then a bunch of other people from all over the country show up and all over the world. There's people from Australia that I know that show up every year, et cetera, et cetera. But one of the best parts about that you know, it's a long setup to tell you one of the best parts <laughs> is spontaneous hospitality. It's not something that happens in your everyday life. Right. But you can walk around Penzik with your friends or I can walk around by myself and I can just swing by your encampment and be like, hey, is Tom around? And they'll be like, yeah, he's in the back. He's by the fire. And I walk by and be like, hey, Tom. You're like, hey, Cecil, sit down by the fire. Let me get you a drink. Right. Hey, I, I made up some sausages early. Do you want to you want to eat? And there's this really wonderful feeling of being a host mm. and it's instant. It's like this instant host where you're like, right. people come to, it's not a feeling you get in everyday no. life. You, yeah, you right. rarely get it, right? Nobody just stumbles into my house. That happens every year at this thing that happens in Pennsylvania. Yeah. But this is such a cool thing to have happen to you. And it's something that I've experienced many times in my life. So that's why I think this story really touches me. Yeah, it's because great. it's such a cool thing to experience. And it's not something that modern society allows you to really experience. No, no, not at all. It's, it's, I'm, it's funny because like I was thinking like, I, I, I've, I've been, last summer, I was uh, doing these longer bike rides. And yeah. I, I ride my bike now sometimes into, right by your house. Yeah. It's a good distance from my house. And there was a couple of times I thought, wouldn't it be funny to stop by and say hi? And I thought, nah, I don't know. He's probably working. I don't want to bother him. You know, like, sure. it's like impolite. And like, you've been my best friend of 20 some yeah, years. Sure. Yeah. But like swinging by unannounced just isn't something that like it's not feels that, right. It's not something anymore. that modern society allows yeah, anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. I never really thought too yeah. much about it, but yeah. I was like, nah, it, it just seems rude. Yeah. You know? And I'm just like, like, oh, come on. It's like calling someone before you text them now. Yeah. That's you know? still acceptable. That's not acceptable. <laughs> that's not acceptable, Tom. When I'm outside of Penzik, I want you to text me before you come. <laughs> no, but it's, it's funny though, because like this, this story is such a sweet, sweet story of, these people who needed help. And you know, like what I think about this too, I also think about our immigration problem in this country mm -hmm. and how we don't welcome people, how we are unwelcoming, how we see certain people as the other. And this, this is, this whole story turns that on its head. It's it like, does. I welcome someone else. I welcomed them. I didn't just, I didn't just like tolerate them or whatever. No, I, I gave yep. them hospitality yep. and that's a whole, and there's a difference. There, there is. Yeah. It's not like you can sleep in the garage. Right, right. right? They, yeah. These people slept all over this guy's yep. house in his guest room and his on his floor, on his couch. He had he he literally he he put them up for yep. the two days to make them as comfortable as they could be. I mean, this is it's a, a beautiful story. It's a really beautiful story. Yeah. This one, this one was the one I was smiling while reading this week. <laughs> this is what I love to do. Once in a while, you'll come across a feel-good story that we just can't cover on our show. It doesn't have a home. It, just but it has a home fit. now. It has a home here. New format has, it has a, home. a home here. All right. So show on Monday. We'll be back Monday with a regular show. Uh, and, uh, and then next week, uh, we're going to be doing a deep dive and we'll let you know what that's going to be. Maybe Monday, we will know, let you know yeah. Monday, this, this upcoming, uh, Monday, we'll let you know what's going to be up next Thursday for the, uh, deep dive. And Tom's going to read it to you this, this month alone, everyone gets it. So Tom's going to read it ahead of time. So we're going to have Tom read it aloud. 
We're going to talk about the article extensively afterwards. So next Thursday, expect that in your feed, but we'll be back next Monday. And now we're going to leave you like we always do with the Skeptic's Creed. Credulity is not a virtue. It's fortune cookie cutter, mommy issue, hypno Babylon bullshit. Couched in scientician, double bubble, toil and trouble, pseudo quasi alternative, acupunctuating, pressurized, stereogram, pyramidal, free energy, healing, water, downward spiral, brain dead pan, sales pitch, late night info docutainment. Leo Pisces, cancer cures, detox, reflex, foot massage, death in towers, tarot cars, psychic healing, crystal balls, Bigfoot, Yeti, aliens, churches, mosques, and synagogues, temples, dragons, giant worms, Atlantis, dolphins, truthers, birthers, witches, wizards, vaccine nuts, shaman healers, evangelists, conspiracy, doublespeak, stigmata, nonsense. Expose your signs. Thrust your hands, bloody, evidential, conclusive. Doubt even this. The opinions and information provided on this podcast are intended for entertainment purposes only. All opinions are solely that of Glory Hole Studios, LLC. Cognitive dissonance makes no representations as to accuracy, completeness, currentness, suitability, or validity of any information, and will not be liable for any errors, damages, or butthurt arising from consumption. All information is provided on an as-is basis. No refunds. Produced in association with the local Dairy Council and viewers like you.